Well, Northside family, it is a joy to be with you. And real quick, we know it's a packed house. Would you say hello to our video venue friends and let them know that we're thinking of them and glad they could be a part this morning. And I love this series that we're in called Thrill of Hope. And I want to give you permission. If you walked in today and go, Nate, I'm not feeling this Christmas season. That's okay. That's all right. You come in here just as you are. You know, some of you have already made the decision. It's too late. I'm not putting up a tree. I'm not putting up a light. Don't judge me. We're not here to judge you. All right. But it's all right to come in and go, hey, you know what? I know we're talking about the thrill of hope, but I just don't have the thrill right now. And that's all right because here's the beautiful thing about this series. Sometimes we feel like we got to go find our hope at Christmas. We got to go create our hope at Christmas. But the good news of Christmas is this. It's not that you have to go find your hope. It's that hope has come to find you. That hope left heaven. And he said, I am here. And this is our hope is in Jesus. And Jesus going, even if you're not feeling it, I'm coming after you. I've come to redeem you. And this is a totally different way for us to look at hope. Because oftentimes all the commercials, right, we go, man, if you want hope, hope is you walking out of your house getting that Lexus with that bow on it, right? Now, I'm not saying that wouldn't be kind of a cool morning, you know, come out like, oh, you know, I'd have hope there for a little bit, right? But oftentimes this is what happens. We feel like we need to go create our own hope. We need to go find our own hope. But at Christmas, hope came to find us. And this is a different way to live. This is a different way to go, wow, this hope has come after me. This hope is what changes me, this Jesus. And and this is why Paul, we looked last week at the idea of hope is God's presence with us. This is why Paul said Christ in you is the hope of glory. It is Christ in your life. And we wanted to do something a little bit different this year. And uh, if you weren't here last weekend, we kind of introduced the Thrill of Hope card that we said, hey, we want you to practice this hope that has come to find you and wants to live through you in this world. And if you didn't pick up one of these right outside the door when you leave, pick one of these up. And what this is going to do is this is going to be a guide this Christmas series to experience the hope of Christ. Because this hope has come to find you, but this hope has come to live through you. And this is, I got a text yesterday from my buddy, and he said, Nate, I'm taking this Thrill of Hope challenge real serious. He goes, I'm trying to see how God wants to use me this Christmas season. He goes, I was literally grocery shopping, and he said, I felt like the Lord tell me, hey, go buy this guy groceries. He said, I could tell there was, you know, he's just kind of going through a rough time, and he looked a little frustrated, a little confused, and he just walked up to him. He's like, all right, this is weird, but okay, God. And he said, hey, can, can I... Uh, can I buy your groceries for you? The guy was just blown away. And he said, are you serious? He said, yeah, I just, God just kind of put in my heart that I think I'm supposed to buy you groceries. And he said, he literally walked through the grocery store with him. And he said, it was kind of like supermarket sweet, man. Just kind of, you know, just knocking all this stuff in the cart. And he said, it was this incredible moment. And the guy was like, I just can't thank you enough. This is unbelievable. And my buddy said, he was so excited. He's like, I forgot to pray with him. He said, I I I totally forgot that the reason why I was doing this because this was Christ in me and I wanted to share the hope that I have. And he goes, I totally blew it. And I said, I think God will give you a pass. All right. You know, but he said it was incredible. It was incredible just to practice this idea that hope is Christ in us, the hope of glory. And he's going, I want you to release my glory to this world because I have come to find my creation. And the beautiful thing about the story of God is this, it is his presence in us. a matter of fact, there was a a phrase from a preacher when I was studying for this series I came across. I thought this was a powerful phrase. It was an honest confession from this pastor. He said this, he said, when I'm not thrilled, I'm probably not hopeful. When I'm not thrilled, I'm probably not hopeful. 
Maybe that's a deep question you need to ask yourself today and maybe this week is this. Are you thrilled with life right now? And if you're not, the deeper question you need to ask is this. Do you have the living hope in you? See, when we're not thrilled, a lot of times... We're not hopeful. That's why one of my favorite books that I've read on hope is a book called Surprised by Hope by N.T. Wright. He's one of the leading theologians in the world. And he said he wrote this book because of two questions. And this is for Christians. And this, this is why he wrote the book. He said two questions. What are we waiting for in life? And what do we do about it in the meantime? What are we waiting for? And in the meantime of what we're waiting for, what are we doing? He said, this is the beauty of hope. Hope isn't just heaven one day. Hope is heaven has come to earth now to live in us, to transform us, to be this living life, this presence of Christ in us. And this hope is now. And what we do in the meantime is we live in this hope. And I don't have scientific data to prove this, but what I can, I, I, I believe one of the ways that the world is, just, is displaying their need and desire for hope is in two ways right now. Amazon Prime and the Hallmark Channel. And uh, I'm serious, right? And this is why we'll come home, I'll come home and there'll be a package on the porch. I wonder what it is, right? And it's like, we know what it is because we ordered it, right? There's no surprise, but man, it is awesome to open it up. Oh, Toilet paper. <laughs> Would you look at that? Twice the size on this roll. Hmm. Oh, man. And we love this idea, the surprise element. I wonder what's in this. And we go, we know what it is. And man, we, you know, it's, even if it's a $5 gift, we love to open those packages. This is why I believe Hallmark Channel will never go away. Now, I cannot, uh, you know, confess that I have or have not watched the Hallmark Channel. But here's why the Hallmark Channel, I think, is so addictive in this time of season. It's because every single one of us is desperate for a story of redemption. And every single movie on the Hallmark Channel always starts with some broken relationship, some fractured relationship, some fractured family, and you've got to go through the process, and you've got to become honest with yourself, and you've got to have that moment of faith, and then what happens? Everybody ends up together, and we go, ah, Christmas. See, I'm telling you, you don't even have to be a Christian here today to admit that you desperately long for hope, that you desperately long for things to work out, that you desperately long to go tell me this isn't the end of my story. Tell me that there is more to the story. This is why one of my favorite life verses is Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 because it says this. It says, God has set eternity in the hearts of mankind. God created you with eternity in your soul. This is why you and I crave this hope. And this is why we go through life going, I know I chased that and I may have got it, but if it's not God, it doesn't satisfy my soul. See, this is the beauty of Christmas time because this is the thrill of hope. Matter of fact, what we're doing every week is this. We're looking at the thrill of hope and we're unpacking hope. Last weekend, we unpacked the thrill of hope is the presence of Christ in us. Not a car, right? You know, but Christ in us is the hope of glory. And not only is it Christ in you, what we also know is this about hope. This is what we're going to talk about today. The thrill of hope is it is the power of God in your life. This is why we need hope, because we need power. Next week, we're going to talk about how God brings his patience into our life. Christmas Eve, we're going to talk about the peace of God. On the weekend going into New Year, we're going to talk about the promise of God. Then we ran out of peace. All right? 
But this is what we know with hope. Hope isn't just this one singular thing. Hope is all of these things. And hope is the power that you and I desperately need. See, where our lives go wrong is this, and people can identify these three big things are what tear apart families and lives and you and me and all this other stuff when we place our power in the wrong place is this, because we start chasing, and these are the three big pitfalls in the world if we're not careful is this, sex, money, and power. Every single story of downfall includes one of those things. You started chasing money, you started chasing power, you started chasing sex. And when you begin to let that be the power that your life lives for, just set the timer before it detonates. Because life will fall apart through that. See, this is why we need hope. And this is why we need hope right now. Matter of fact, this is why Paul writes the book of Ephesians, because the church has started to lose hope. And if you know anything about the book of Ephesians, and even if you don't, Paul writes it from prison. And the church is starting to lose hope. They're going, Paul, our leader is in prison. It would be like me going on a mission trip to a country. And matter of fact, in all of the countries that don't allow churches like this and don't allow Christ, literally the government bans it, the church is exploding. The underground church in China and Somalia, all these places that ban Christianity, you can't keep God out of. He will work through all this other stuff. And Paul goes and he's preaching Christ and because he's not preaching Caesar is Lord, but because he's preaching Caesar is not Lord, but Jesus is Lord, they put him in prison. Imagine that, I go on a mission trip and I write back and you go, hey guys, I'm praying for you. I'm in prison though for my faith. Some of you are like, good. No, hang on now, all right, no. But oftentimes, if you hear about somebody who's in prison for preaching the faith or for being a follower of Jesus, we get nervous, don't we? We start losing a little bit of hope. God, what are you doing? What are you doing right now? Yeah, God, I'm starting to lose hope in this. Here I am committed my life to you. Here Paul is, he's committed his life to the gospel and yet he's in prison for it. And our faith gets rattled. How do we continue to experience the power of hope when we begin to feel powerless? Maybe today you feel powerless right now. You're going, man, I've been a Christian for a long time. I just feel powerless. This is why we want to pay attention to Paul's words in Ephesians chapter 3. First of all, he starts in verse 1 and he says this. He says, for this reason, and he's talking about Jesus, I, Paul, am the prisoner of Christ for the sake of you Gentiles. Now, he's not giving them a guilt trip, but what he's saying is this. I am in prison, but I am in prison for you. I'm here because I want you to know who Jesus is, and I'm willing to go through the sufferings of this so that you may know the power and the hope this Christmas. He goes on to say this in verse 7. He says, not only am I in prison, he goes, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Paul, even though he's in prison, is reminded of his power. His power isn't in all of the perfect circumstances in his life. His power is in the good news of Jesus. That no matter what my circumstances, I have a power that this world cannot take from me. And listen what he says in verse 13 to him. He says, so I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged. Don't lose hope. Don't be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. He's going right now, if you feel powerless, church, don't be discouraged. Know that your power is in Christ more than your circumstance. And then listen to what he says. He lays out how you and I can live in this power, even when our circumstances might not be perfect today. Listen what he says. He goes on this rant here in verse 14 through 21. I want to read this out loud for us. Listen what he says. 
He says, here's how I'm going to live, and here's how I live in the power of Jesus. Here's the hope of Jesus. He says, for this reason, talking about Jesus, I kneel before the Father, from whom my whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. He's prayed two things. He goes, I pray this for you, I pray this for you, and then in verse 20, he prays, and listen what he prays in verse 20. He prays to God. He says, and now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, some of you are going, Nate, that's a bunch of words. What in the world did you just say? See, we need to pay attention to what Paul is saying because Paul is revealing how he is holding on to his power in the midst of being in prison. And some of you today are going, Nate, I'm not in prison. What does this have to do with me? Right now, for some of you, your life feels like a prison. Your decisions have left you in a prison of regret. Or you're feeling the consequences. Or you're lost right now and you go, I don't have any, I feel absolutely powerless from what's going on. You're not in a physical prison, but in your heart and in your mind, you are locked up. And Paul says, here's how I have power. And this is what's so, this is the sneakiness of God. You gotta pay attention to him. Power is not in our physical ability to rule over people or to just be the CEO because then power comes in. Paul says this, if you pay attention to his words, he keeps saying this. You know where his power comes from? His power comes from prayer. Over and over again in this passage, I pray for you, I pray for you, and now I'm going to pray to the Father who can do immeasurably more than all I can ask or imagine. We've got to pay attention where the power of God comes from. You might want to write this down. Here's what the power of our hope is. The power of hope And we've got to understand this. The power of hope comes through the practice of prayer. This is where our power comes from. This is why Paul can sit in prison and yet have power in Jesus. And I know for some of us we go, Nate, that doesn't sound good. I don't know how to pray. I know. And this is why oftentimes we feel so powerless in life because we don't know how to pray. We are going through life and we go, man, I'm trying to power up and I'm trying to power up. This is why Paul says this. He starts this whole section and he says this, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. That word kneel. Anybody ever heard the phrase when someone's like, hey, can you do me a favor? And you go, listen, I ain't going to stick my neck out for you. Right? That's what Paul's saying right here. Because when you stick your neck out for somebody, what you do is this. You're going, that's a risk. You're going, I'm not going to risk my life for you. What Paul says here is this. He goes, the only way that I can continue in the power of God is this, is that I kneel before the Father, meaning this. I put my head down and I expose the back of my neck to the Father that says this. My life is surrendered to you. You want to experience the power of God? Surrender your life to him. Surrender your life to him. It's not about you and I powering up. It's about you and I actually powering down 
to experience the power of God in our life. Every time you try to power up is every time you kick away the power of God from being released in your life. This is why Paul says, even in prison, I kneel before the Father because the only way I can make it through prison is that I keep exposing my life and surrendering my life to the Father. And as I keep surrendering my life to the Father, he keeps filling me with more and more power to keep being more and more faithful. You read more of the letters about Paul, he's leading the prison guards to Christ. He's going, I know I'm in prison and I got hope. I can tell you don't have hope. I want to give you this hope. Oftentimes, God wants to do the unthinkable in our times of the most difficult circumstances. The question is this, are you kneeling your life before the Father? See, you want to experience the power of God at Christmas? You want to experience the power of hope? You have to surrender your life to the power of hope. Because here's what we've got to remember is this. Jesus, he wasn't born in a boardroom. Jesus was born in a barn. I love the movie Elf. Right? What I really think is funny is when Buddy the Elf tries to get up there to see his dad in the prison, or the security guards keep kicking him out. And this is the thing, Buddy the Elf, he can't get to his dad. Right? The, the security guards, they see him so he can't get to the elevator and, and he doesn't have the code to the elevator and here's the whole thing. And even if he got to the elevator, he probably wouldn't have the key fob to get into the office. And even if he had the key fob, he'd have to get past the receptionist. Then he'd have to get past the administrative assistant just to see his father. And there's nothing wrong with boardrooms. The only thing is this, boardrooms are very secure. Barn, well, there's an open door. And Jesus says, I wasn't born in a boardroom. I was born in a barn because I am accessible to everybody because I want to give power and hope to everyone. Do you realize how much Christ has surrendered to you already so that you can experience his power today? See, this is the thrill of hope. The thrill of hope has been accessible to you. But here's what we've got to understand. This is what Paul's trying to get the church to understand is this. When you have no hope, when you have no hope, you can know hope. When you have no hope, he's going, I'm in prison. I got no hope of getting out of these guys. Matter of fact, Paul will lose his life. Matter of fact, they will cut Paul's head off. He's going to lose his life for Jesus. And here in the midst of him getting ready to lose his life, he goes, I know hope. I've got power. And I'm praying for you to experience. Do you see the different way that Christ lives in this world? It is absolutely opposite. It is opposite of everything. It's opposite of everybody. We all feel like, man, we have to achieve power. We have to get power. We have to ascend to power. Paul says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. You want to experience the power of Christ, surrender your life to Christ, and he will fill you with his power. How do we do that, though? Here's what we got to understand. Paul says this very clearly, that the power of hope is Christ dwelling in us through faith. It's through faith. Listen to what he says here. He, he says, I, I, he goes, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you would have faith, that you would begin, even when things look tough, that you would put your faith in him and that Christ would dwell. And I love that word dwell. It means this to like settle in. We use that word. We're going to settle in for a long winter's nap, right? You know, we're kind of in hibernation mode now. A lot of you going, no more going to the lake house, no more traveling. You know, we're kind of settling in here in Southern Indiana, all this stuff. And I'll be honest, this week, this, this whole verse began to speak to me because I went to, uh, uh, to write the sermon this week. I sat down and uh, anybody ever woke up to a dead car battery? Right, you go out there, man, and you go to start it, and it doesn't even like, it doesn't even like click. Just nothing. 
And that's this week, that's what happened to me. I sat down and started writing the sermon. Okay, Lord, you know, let's, let's get in your word. And I sat down. I went to turn it on. Nothing. Holy Spirit, right? I'm like bowing before this reason. I kneel before you. Please give me a sermon. And if you can make it good, that would be great. And I'd be, I'd be, I, kind of, I kind of freaked out this week. I'm like, Lord, you know the weekend's coming. I got a deadline. I got to get the outline in. I got to get all this other stuff in. And I'm telling you, I just sat there and nothing. And this is what the Spirit began to speak into me this week. Nate, more than you delivering a sermon, I want you to dwell with Christ. Because actually, you have no sermon to speak without dwelling with me. And for the next two hours, I didn't write a sermon. I just dwelled with our Savior. There's a book I've been reading. I love it. It's a book on prayer. This is the title. I want to give it to you if you want to get it off of Amazon. It's a great book. It says, How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People. <laughs> I'm, real, I'm a simple man. Make it simple for me. And I love it that this guy, he's been doing the 24-7 prayer movement over the last 20 years. And this is the book I've been reading on prayer. And I'll give you the acronym that he has for pray. It says this, the first thing you and I need to do is this. We need to pause, which means this. We need to create silence. And we get away. We turn our phone off. And we create some space. He says we need to pause in life. He says then we need to spend time rejoicing, giving thanks to God. He says then, then. Ask for help on the things going on in your life. And then finally yield, surrender your life to Jesus. I just sat there for a couple of hours, man. I just created some space with the Lord. I'm like, Lord, man, I just got a dead battery. And this is why I always forget this season is actually like our biggest run as a church because we have to plan and get all the stuff in for graphic designs and series created all the way through March. I'm excited in January as a church. It's our 50th anniversary being a church. We got some incredible things planned. In the end of January, we're going to talk about our next two-year vision of where we're going. Man, we've been working. We've been following. We've been going after. We've been running and gunning. And the only problem is this. You can do a bunch of things for God, but if you're not careful and you don't do things with God, you will burn out. And the Lord just kind of put a check engine light on my soul. It's like, Nate, shut it down. I ain't going to give you a sermon. I need you to dwell with me through faith. This is why Paul says it's not about you and I powering up. It's about you and I powering down. But we're uncomfortable with silence, aren't we? We just don't like it. Because then we have to actually become honest with ourselves. Paul says this. This is what I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you would slow down. I'm praying that you would begin to be silent before the Father. I'm praying that you would kneel before him. That you would surrender your heart and your life and your situation. Because here's what happens. When you surrender, man, Christ fills you up with his power And it was after that time of dwelling with Christ that I could actually write a sermon. That I could actually begin to share because what was happening is this. It wasn't my power, it was Christ's power in me. And Paul is saying this is how we experience power in life. It is through this faith. I love this quote. His name's Austin Fisher. He's a pastor down in Texas. And he says this. He says, faith isn't certainty. And he's talking about not, he's not talking about the faith, like Christ, you know, Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. He's not talking about that. He's talking about faith, you and I making decisions daily. He says, faith isn't certainty, but willingness to act faithfully despite uncertainty. 
going, even when you don't know what tomorrow holds, you're going to go, Jesus, I'm going to act in faith and follow you. That I'm going to step in to this. This is why Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19 says this about hope. It's talking about Jesus. He says, we have this hope, Jesus, as an anchor for our souls, firm and secure. Let me just ask you a question this Christmas season. How's your soul? How's your soul? You got hope? You got power? When I was, uh, I think it was 1992, I was 10 years old, I was playing Little League in Bloomington, Indiana, and uh, we were warming up down the left field side. And we're warming up, 10 year old, and we could see the storm in the distance. And then what happened was this the storm started getting a little bit closer, and we're like, oh, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. We were not fine. And uh, as the storm started getting closer, the sky started turning green. You ever been in that moment? We're going, oh, uh-oh. Sky started turning green. Everything started changing around as wind starts blowing in. I can't find my mom, so me and the baseball team, we just start heading. And somebody goes, everybody, there's some trees by the ball field. Everybody into the forest. Not wise during a tornado, right? Finally, we're in the forest. Everybody go, out of the forest, right? We run out of the forest. And there's kind of this makeshift ditch over here. And we, we kind of lay down in this ditch. And then we realize this isn't really a safe, this is not like a real ditch. And people are like starting to bail left and right. I ran into my mom and we look at each other. And she's like, you want to make a run for it and drive home? I'm like, come on, Mario Andretti, let's do this, you know? And, we hop in. This was the car. We had 1992. We had a Geo Prism, this warrior of a car. We're driving home in Bloomington to our house through a tornado and this beast, right? And I tell you, I thought, you know, you know it's, it's that type of car when the wind blows, you kind of shift lanes as well. Man, I thought we were ready for takeoff, right? It was 747 out of Bloomington, Indiana, you know. We're about ready to take off. She's dodging limbs as they're coming. We finally get home. And I get home, and I tell you this, there was no anchor for my soul that day. We ran to the forest, not an anchor. Ran to the ditch, not an anchor. Ran to a 1992 Geo Prism, not an anchor. We have this hope that is an anchor for our souls. Why do you have an anchor? Because in life you begin to drift. On the sea, boats begin to drift. Not only do they begin to drift, the storms begin to settle in. And life begins to get crazy. And this is why Paul says, I'm praying that you would know this power. I'm praying that you would begin to surrender your life. Because when you surrender your life, you begin to experience this hope and this power that nothing in this world can experience. And not only that, he says this. I love it. He goes, I pray this. He says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together. See, this whole hope thing is us together. It's not just you making it way through life. He's going, it is you and I together experiencing this power. He says, I pray that you would be rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints. And here's why. So that you can grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. That when you and I hope together, we begin to be anchors together. 
Through this life, we lock arm in arm with the power of the Spirit. And when I go, hey, you don't have what it takes, man, I'm going to continue to carry you. And when I don't have what it takes, you're carrying together. This is what Paul's doing. He's writing this letter. He's going, don't lose hope, church. Don't lose hope. You begin to pray. And this is my prayer for you, that together you may experience this power of Christ. And he says this about the power. And he says, and that, I, that you would know this love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This hope wants you to be filled with power. Do you know this? Satan knows more scripture than you ever will. Satan will pass every theological test that you and I won't. He has all scripture memorized. He knows it. He tried to use scripture against Jesus. He knows scripture. The only thing that's different between you and I with Satan is this. He will not love the Father. I pray that you would know this love that surpasses knowledge. It's not just will you memorize the Bible. It's this. Will you allow this love of the Father to transform your life? You and I need knowledge of the Father, but this, we need to know this love that is our power, that is our hope, that gives us power in the moments that we don't feel like we have it. You want to see this power of God in your life? It's about the power of hope being rooted in love in our life. See, the only way that you can be loved by the Father, I mean, he loves you right now, even if you don't love him, even if you haven't accepted him, he loves you. The only way that you begin to experience the power of this love of the Father is this, that you and I would kneel before the Father and surrender our life to him. Because when we surrender our life, he goes, you are going to be filled to the measure of the fullness of this hope, of this power and it is this power that changes us. And then this is the beautiful thing about Paul. Paul says, I'm praying for you, church. I'm praying for you, church, that you may experience power together, that you would experience the power in your inner being. And then in verse 20, he just prays. He goes, okay, I'm done praying for you. Now I'm going to pray. Now I'm going to pray. Because he knows I've got to pray to experience this power in my life. And he says, now to him, in verse 20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Is that your view of God? That he can do more than all you can ask or imagine? And then he says this, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You want to experience the power of God in your life? If you feel powerless right now, let hope be your help. Let hope be your help. Quit powering up. Quit powering up. Begin to power down. Isn't that anti-everything in our culture right now? It's anti-everything. You do you. You present what you think is successful. You do all this other stuff. You power, you power yourself up. You take 23 selfies to finally get that one selfie that makes you look like it's natural, and we all know it's not natural. <laughs> now to him who's able to do immeasurably more. If you want to know what your power is in life, think about what your more in life. Paul says that's your power. That's why he says, now to him. Now to him. Church, Jesus wants us to experience his power.
you don't have the thrill of Christmas, that's all right. He's got power for you. He's got hope for you. But here's what happens. It comes through prayer. Here's what I want us to do. We're going to end in a little bit of a different way. I'm going to ask them to put the passage back up of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 through 21. And here's what I want to do. I'm going to read this over us. And I just want you to listen to these words. Because here's what's going to happen. God is saying, I want to fill you with your power, my power. I want to fill you. I don't want you to leave you alone. I don't care what situation you're in. I want to fill you with my power. And just listen to these words again. Let them wash over you this morning. I know we've got so many things going on in our life. We've got all the staff Christmas parties coming up and family parties and all these things going. But just listen to these words in Ephesians chapter 3. And let me remind you, Paul is sitting here writing these words with chains on his hands. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. Not according to us, but according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Men, what Paul is saying is this church, you remember right now that when you are powerless, we have one who gives us power. No matter what prison you are in, I will set you free. No matter what circumstance, it is according to the God of more that we have. Matter of fact, right now, I want us to pray this passage together. If you've never prayed before, we're gonna read this passage out loud. Welcome to church, we're gonna pray. And here's what we're gonna do here in a moment. We're going to read this together out loud. And then I'm just going to ask you this question. What's God saying to you today with this passage? He has power for you today. It's not about your power and my power. It's about his power that is at work within us. Let's read this together out loud. This might be clumsy, but we're going to do it, all right? Let's say this on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. What's Jesus saying to you right now? What's he saying to you right now? Is he saying you need to begin to surrender your life to me so you can experience this power? Maybe for some of you, you need to be reminded of this power like I was this week. And this week, you need to create space for Christ to dwell in your heart and in your life. How do you need to respond today to this power that's here. Let's pray together. Father, God, I'll be the first to admit that without knowing it, it's easy to feel powerful by what I can accomplish and what I can get done, even if it's for you. But God, sometimes I forget to do it with you. And so, Heavenly Father, we thank you 
that our faith isn't built on us, our faith is built on you. The one who's able to do more than all we could ask or imagine, the one who redeems us and sets us free and walks with us. And Father, to actually give up power over our life is a scary thing. And so Holy Spirit, we invite you, would you come today? Holy Spirit, would you change us today? Would you remind us this week, God, would you give us the courage to make space to dwell with you, to power down this week so that you can power up? Father, we admit that you are our hope, you are our grace, you are our everything. And so this week, would we see you, would we listen to you, would we be empowered by you for your name and for your glory and your kingdom. And everybody said together, amen. May you be filled with this power this week, church. God bless you guys.